Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back. I think it's fair to say 2023 was a bad year for the carbon tax and for the party in the government that introduced the federal carbon levy. The liberals have really almost gone out of their way this year to undermine carbon pricing by carving out uh, an exemption for home heating oil, by imposing an emissions cap on the oil and gas sector, among other things. Uh, So as 2023 draws to a close, the conservatives are clearly gaining a lot of traction with a very simple axe the tax message. The liberals have tried to fire back and they'll continue to do so with the question of, well, what is your plan to try to paint the conservatives as climate deniers? A party that prioritizes energy development over environmental protection, a party that just doesn't care about the environment. Where's your plan? They're saying, and will continue to say. And, and in fairness, look, I think there is going to be a need for Pierre Polyev and the conservatives to lay out a vision uh, for addressing the environment, addressing climate change specifically. You know, he's talked about more of a reliance on technology, which, you know, makes sense at some level. But to build on that, like, how and how are we going to do that? Like, what's the approach going to be here? There's an interesting piece uh, up at thehub.ca on what a green agenda for true blue conservatives might actually look like and what direction the conservatives might want to go here uh, to present a reasonable vision to Canadians around these issues and, and show that, look, we do care. We're just taking a much more conservative approach here. Well, joining us uh, on the line here this morning, one of the co-authors uh, of the piece is Ken Bostoncool, Executive Director with Conservatives for Clean Growth, also founding partner at Meredith Bostoncool Policy Advisors. Ken, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Rob. So just on the point about you know how, how troubled uh, the liberals have been this year in you know now defending their carbon pricing amid all of these other decisions, where's this issue at here as we head into 2024? Yeah, I I don't disagree with what you're saying. Uh, I think the Liberals committed political malpractice when they introduced the tax. I was I did some politics in BC for a while, and when you ask people in BC about the carbon tax, they're like, "Oh yeah, that was the thing that paid for that big tax cut that uh, that the Liberals gave us a long time ago." But the Liberals never told people that when they charged the carbon tax, they'd get these rebates. They just focused on the environmental side of the issue, and so most people think they're paying this tax. And Pierre Pauly has been very successful in linking the carbon tax to the affordability crisis and liberals haven't even responded by saying but you're getting these big checks and i frankly think that's political malpractice on their part but they you know i'm not a liberal so uh (laughs) but but it was it's always astounded me uh again with my experience in bc where people remember the big tax cut they got when the carbon tax came in there's no such memories across canada for the liberal carbon tax yeah i mean you know the oil and gas emissions cap i mean you know, I thought the whole idea of carbon pricing was to to address emissions and not to, you know, pick and choose which emissions are worse than others. Because I mean, a ton of carbon is a ton of carbon, regardless of where it comes from. We just impose an emissions cap on a whole economy, so it almost seems like, in that sense, they're undermining 
Well, you, you know, you either have confidence in your carbon tax or you don't. And if you have carbon, if you have confidence in your carbon tax, you have confidence in economic supply and demand and incentives. You put a carbon tax on, and then you let people make decisions based on that tax being in place. But if you don't have confidence in that tax, you layer all these extra policies on top of it, and pretty soon you got this pretty confusing stack of differential policies on top of the carbon tax. So, in a sense, I would argue that 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 undermines the carbon tax as well. The interesting thing from the Conservative point of view is they keep saying they're going to get emissions down, but but they don't say exactly how, um, but they're not going to use a carbon tax. So they're going to have to do some combination of these things as well, uh, although our piece that uh, that Lisa Raitt and I wrote uh, talks about a couple of different issues in that. But, but Conservatives are clearly going to have to figure out how to incent the technology that Mr. Polyev keeps talking about. So clearly, they see some some value in a, an axe the tax message, um, and and yeah, I, you know the polls would suggest maybe Canadians are kind of tired of this. But I mean, if we moved away from the idea of carbon pricing as kind of like an economically conservative concept, the idea that it's it's simple, it's hands off, that there's no heavy regulation that needs to come along with it. So. I would differentiate between, and and maybe I'm listening too carefully to what Mr. Polyev is saying, but I would differentiate between the industrial carbon price and the retail carbon price. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you know Alberta, Alberta under Daniel Smith has committed to increasing the industrial carbon price to $170. That's a carbon tax. It's on the industrial side of Alberta's economy. Doug Ford said he's going to bring that tax, uh, you know, transferred from the federal government to the Ontario government. So on the industrial side, I don't think carbon pricing is going away. And in Alberta, that's 70% of emissions. That's pretty big. That's a pretty big carbon tax. I think what Mr. Polyev is doing is saying on the retail side. Yeah. In other words, when you go to the gas pumps or when you pay your home heating, your gas comes into your house. So I think on that side of things is really what he's talking about getting rid of the tax. And you'll have to replace that with something. Well, and that's true. And, and it is fair to point out, I mean, Alberta had, you know, the, the carbon pricing before the feds did yeah. on, on the big emitters. But it's it's awkward because you don't hear the Alberta government talk about that a lot. It's not something, uh, you know, given how conservatives or a lot of what they see as their base view, the whole idea of a carbon tax. It's not really something they, they boast about. Yeah, it's kind of like, listen to what I say, not what I mean. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think the tier program, which is a carbon tax on industrial emissions in Alberta, I don't think the tier program is going anywhere. I did hear Daniel Smith saying she's going to increase that to 170, just like the federal path is on. Yeah. So, you know, they might call it tier, they might call it something else, but it is a carbon tax, and it's not going it's not going anywhere. Um, so, uh, again, I think the debate is around is around the retail side of the issue. So, so there's an opportunity there uh, for the federal conservatives to build on that that approach here in Alberta to say we don't believe in the idea of a, a carbon tax at the retail level, but emissions pricing on big emitters that that still makes sense. Well, the interesting thing is almost all of the uh, carbon pricing at the industrial level is done by the provinces and not the federal government. So even if Pierre Polyev, you know, lifts what's happening at the federal level, I don't think, as I've been saying now for the last couple minutes, I don't think Daniel Smith is going to take take the tier program off of industrial emitters in Alberta. So even if even if he does something at the federal level, most of those taxes are done at the, at the provincial level across the country. Now, in terms of how we balance, you know, the environment and the economy, um, you know, we see yeah. the GDP numbers today. The economy is basically flat. Things are stagnant. And it's, it's a big concern of Canadians. So when the Conservatives talk about their environmental message, where does the issue of, of promoting economic growth need to fit in? So there was two things in the piece I wrote with uh, former former Minister Lisa Raitt. 
that address that issue. First of all, I mean, we just make the general point that just like individuals have a Maslow hierarchy of needs, so do countries have a Maslow hierarchy of needs. And if you're having affordability and housing problems, then the environment falls down on the list of concerns. And if your economy is growing slowly, you can forgive people, or if your inflation rate's high, you can forgive people for being more concerned about those issues than the than the environment. And you may like that or not like that, but it's basically a Maslow hierarchy of needs. So, so the first thing a conservative government should do is try to get growth back on track, because the best way to have a good environmental policy is to have a rich country because rich countries do more about the environment than poor countries do. So the first step is to just focus on getting our growth up. The second thing that we have in the piece is that there's a whole set of policies around, I mean, the federal government, the Ontario government, again, whether you like them or not, put a bunch of subsidies to get battery plants here. Mm -hmm. But those battery plants are going to need some pretty important minerals to build the batteries. And hey, guess what? Canada has a ton of those minerals in northern Ontario, northern Saskatchewan, northern B.C., And so there's a huge economic growth opportunity to build just batteries alone, never mind all the other things we're going to need for this new green economy. And so Canada needs to do a much better job of figuring out how to make it easier to mine for those critical minerals that we're going to need to build batteries and build other things that the green economy is going to demand. And if we don't get ahead of that, other countries are going to supply. You know, I think Canada missed out on a big LNG opportunity about 10, 15 years ago because we were just too slow and the U.S. and a bunch of other countries got ahead of it. We can't let that happen for batteries. It would be, a again, it would be political malpractice for the federal and Ontario government to put a bunch of money into battery plants and then to get the raw materials for those battery plants from, I don't know, Kazakhstan. Like, that would just be political and economic malpractice. We got to get, we got to get on top of that. Yeah. Related to that, I mean, I I can't imagine uh, that a conservative government would maintain this electric vehicle mandate that that the government just announced this week. Is there a middle ground, do you think, when it comes to promoting electric vehicle use without the, you know, 100% by 2035 kind of approach? Look, I would say that there's an active debate in the Conservative Party, and it's represented by the difference between how Doug Ford talks about these issues and how Pierre Polyev sometimes talks about these issues. Mm -hmm. Doug Ford's gone all in on electric batteries. He's put a ton of money from Ontario taxpayers into electric battery plants. And again, if you're going to put money in electric battery plants and not have some sort of uh, requirement for people to to buy those electric vehicles and they come out, it just seems like, why would you do that? So so I think there's an active debate within Conservative uh, world in Canada on that issue, and we'll see where it plays out. I, I would prefer to have uh, pricing of carbon and let that, you know, even on the retail side, and let that shake out. But Mr. Pauly have decided to go a different way. It would be a bit surprising to me if he if he didn't replace getting rid of the retail carbon price with some of these policies around, you know, subsidizing electric vehicles or or fuel mandates and other things. Um, if you're going to get technology to fix it, part of that technology is electric cars. And if you're going to promote technology, you've got to figure out a way yeah. to incent these things. So I, I, I wouldn't say that, 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 that those things are for sure going to be gone. You talk about adaptation in your piece, too, and it's an interesting yeah. issue because I think some environmentalists see that as, you know, defeatism, like we're, we're just giving well, up. But, I mean, it's unrealistic to think that, okay, we brought in a, a carbon price, that we're, none of this is going to happen. So where, where do we need to go on that? Well, I don't know where you were living uh, last year, but I was living in Alberta and southeastern B.C. Uh, through April, May, June, July, August, and September. And there was this thing in the air called smoke because there was these fires that were happening. And the amount of fires in Canada was going up and up and up. And the amount of flooding in Canada is going up and up and up. And so, you know, uh, the impact of climate change is happening. And these things are costing our economy a ton of money as they're happening. And so, you know, the big flood in Calgary in 2014, over the next 10 years, we built a bunch of 
things around the, the way in which water flows in and out of Calgary to deal with, you know, that happening again. And I think if a similar situation happened today, there wouldn't be as catastrophic an event in Calgary. And we already have some insurance companies pulling out of, we've heard the California, but I can tell you that there's the insurance industry is pulling out of some insurance offerings in, in BC. And we're going to have to figure out how to protect people that are near places of earthquakes, near places of floods, near places of fires. And that's about making our, our economy and our, where people live much more climate resilient. And we're just going to have to get, we're going to have to get on top of that because these things are happening. You can wish they didn't happen. You can want them not to happen, but that's, uh, you know, that's like Sisyphus and pushing the thing up the hill or whatever, whatever the Greek tragedy (laughs) is. These things are happening and we need to deal with them. And so, I think, you know, I think this is actually, you can link these issues to affordability because insurance is getting more expensive. And so the government may have a role here to play to figure out how to protect Canadians and, and invest in some of these climate resilient uh, infrastructure pieces to make sure these things don't cost us more down the road. And I think there's a preventative side to all of this that could save money, you know, an investment today will save us money down the road. And uh, the other reason to bring this up, Rob, is I frankly think the liberals, the federal liberals have focused so much on the carbon tax and re- reducing emissions that they sort of let this issue slide a bit. And I think if we have another couple of years where we have big fires and big floods and other other climate-related uh, weather ch- challenges and the liberals haven't done anything, I think that's going to hurt them politically. So it's just, an, you know, it's Lisa and I just think this is an area of climate policy, broadly speaking, where the conservatives can probably get a head start. And so why not just grab the bull by the horns and run on this? Yeah. We'll see what uh, what 2024 has in store on this. Uh, your piece is mentioned. It's up at thehub.ca and uh, much more conservatives for clean growth.ca. Ken, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for making some time for us here.